Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy, interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello. Today's show is brought to you by Fab Skin Hot Bodies with Dr. Jeanette Graff, a new podcast about keeping your body and skin looking toned and young. Is looking your best one of your New Year's resolutions? It better be. Join Dr. Graff, world-renowned dermatologist, author, and skincare researcher, as she interviews famous stylists, makeup artists, and fitness gurus in order to give you the best advice and tips. No beauty or skin topic is off limits, so whether you're looking for the best way to remove celluloid or how to get that perfect tan without damaging your skin, Dr. Graff has you covered. Check her out today on Fab Skin Hot Bodies with Dr. Jeanette Graff. Welcome to Reality Bites, a podcast about sex, love, relationships, and dating in the digital age. I'm Courtney Kosak. And I'm Steve Hernandez. And we are sad, right? (laughs) Speak for yourself first (laughs) off, okay? I mean, Courtney just dropped this news on me, and I think a few years ago I would have been a little more sad too, but okay, what are we talking about here, Courtney? We're talking about Lena Dunham and Jack Antonoff, and we're talking about that they are no longer a couple. Now, why are you so sad about this? I don't know. It just like hit me. And it's, uh, first of all, it's raining in LA. (laughs) So I'm like coming from behind. I'm not good in this position. (laughs) I'm really severely impacted by the weather. But also, I, I was just telling Steve this, but I saw them. I had a conscious thought that maybe six months ago that I was like, are they just that comfortable with each other or like, is it like apathy? Do you know what I mean? Sure. Well, I, I've, uh, they've been together, what, five years, seven years? Yeah, it was like five and a half years or yeah, something. Yeah, that's a long time. I think I was with my wife for seven and a half years total. Our marriage like five and a half years. So that was that's a marriage. And they got together when she was very young as well. Yeah. So this doesn't surprise me at all. In fact, I'm, you know, I, you and I fall on the different, you still believe in a lifelong love. Uh, yeah, I do. I totally do. And I don't think like that's always what happens or that's always what should happen. Um, but totally it's something that I aspire to. Um, Why? If I find the right person. I just think that like growing and someone like, I don't know, truly being compatible with you at these like different points in your life. I don't think anyone should force it. And like my aunt got divorced or is in the process of and like. How long was she married for? Oh my God. Like since she was 19 or some shit. And she's what? How old is she now? She's like, I'm terrible at this game. 20 years older than me. 55. Let's just say. So her whole life she was married. This, her whole life. But they seemed so good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That the whole rest of my family was almost like, why wouldn't you just make it work? (laughs) And I totally was like, listen, if you're not like feeling it or you're not feeling that someone 
has that passion for you or you're not impassioned about life because of like how you feel with this person, I think you should move on. I think that is... Well, you don't think that passion has much to do with marriage, do you? About a long-term successful I think you should be able to sustain a certain amount of passion. I don't think that long-term relationship should be the death of that. And that's why it takes like a really specific person. I don't think you should try to force it with someone that you don't have that with, especially like... <laughs> at this stage in the game, like where we are. Yeah. Like this life's still hopefully very long well, in I front mean, of us too. And, and your aunt too has what, uh, you know, 25, 30 yeah, years. She's probably and thinking. she's like, <laughs> Wade met her. She's like hot and like, yeah. you know, fun to be around and like, sh- and not to say anything about him. Like, sure. obviously we all thought they should belong <laughs> together. Um, he's pretty great too. But like, she should go and Find that. Yeah. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I just like, I think it's beautiful when it does work. Yeah. I, it's still, I still don't understand why. People don't, people have such a very hard time answering this question. Why do you think it's so beautiful? Because it, it's like, we all change mm-hmm. and being a partner to someone despite those changes if you if you still love that person in this evolving capacity and then you've have it's like old friends t- like to the you know 20th power well that happens all the time because we don't put so much pressure on just a friend we don't put our whole life and our, our values and our expectations about sex and friendship and values all on one person Yeah. No. And I think you shouldn't put this huge burden on your partner. I think it's something that, you know, you have to be finding outlets in other ways or like. I love that you're so sad about Lena Dunham and Jack uh, Adenoff. Really? Yeah. Why? I mean, what do you you care about Lena Dunham and Jack? No, it bums me out because like I kind of saw it. You mean you saw signs of it? I saw signs of it and I didn't know. Like I said, if it was like comfortable, but they were like truly in love. They're so young, man. I know. I don't give a shit, really. I'm just saying what it stands for (laughs) in my mind. Yeah. Well, I mean, I hope Lena's got like three or four more in her like big lifetime love. Listen, they're Uh, both going to (laughs) be fine. Jack, you know, I'm totally fine with Jack, but Lena, you know, she's a special nut to crack, you know, racist without really admitting it, that kind of thing. She's gonna be a real special. Nut. I used to have a big crush on her, but because she's so wildly talented, and everything. But after a while, it's like, oh, this girl's too much. I know yeah. she really. Yeah, she really is. I guess it's just that. Yeah, they both seemed so kind of weird and specific, and then they found this person that for a while seemed like a really good match. Yeah, and then, and then it's no more. And fucking life is change and. I just need to mourn it for a second. That's all right. That's all right. This is the first I heard of it. I mean, I really used to have a big crush on her. So, you know, you talked to me five years ago, then I would have been like, oh, yeah, I'm in, I'm in, baby. I'm going to start writing some emails or something like that, a newsletter or something. Oh, my God. But uh, right now, I just wanted to be respectful and have her time away. And, you know, I'll, I'll be happy with my near-perfect girlfriend. The reason why we're dwelling on all this stuff, though, too, is because of our guest today. Uh, we're talking about uh, Tower Respolt. Rispoli. 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 (laughs) There we go. And his movie, Monogamish. If you guys haven't seen it, it's available uh, on Stars and I I think other places too, right? It's it's about to roll up 
rollout in like all the like iTunes, you know, venues where you can buy it. So keep your eye out. I don't know if I said the name. Did I say monogamish yet? No, you. I I don't know if you did, but it's called monogamish, and it's got all the big sex and love and monogamy talking heads like Dan Savage, Stephanie Kuntz. Who else is on it? Uh, the the French woman who's down with cheating. Oh my god, Esther Perel. Yeah, I Esther love Perel. Her. Everyone, Dan, uh, um, the guy from Sex at Dawn. We're Chris. Chris. Uh, I've just been going through my emails for the last three hours. I'm yeah. like brain dead right now. Please, if, but- you're, if you're if you're a sex nerd like me, all the big books, everything you've read in the past five years, having to do with non monogamy, he and polyamory. convinced all of them to <laughs> yeah. do this documentary. And once you hear the podcast too, you'll see why he was. He's so very charming, and he's so um, curious and wildly inquisitive about the whole thing. And uh, you know, we try not to give too much about the movie away, so you got to see monogamish. But I thought it was such a great primer for, you know, we talk about non-monogamy and polyamory like every three or four episodes on this because it's, it's something that's on. I, I know it's in my mind. I know Courtney's kind of checked out about the idea, but I'm always thinking, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're not. Yeah, no, I am. I, I am. <laughs> yeah. I totally am. Yeah. So, uh, but to me, I'm always trying to figure out that. And, and then, you know, even together, me and uh, Tao explore that because he, he doesn't claim to have all the answers. And uh, that's one one thing I really loved about him and I loved about this conversation is he he said, hey, man, I'm still on this journey myself. I, I can't speak to that. I can't um, – I don't know how I'm going to feel in five years or when children come come along. The thing I loved best about him is he um, – he wasn't flippant about any part of no. polyamory at all. He he he, and I agree with this. He talked about you know when you have sex with someone, it's a dangerous thing. It's it's an important thing. It's not a flippant thing because we can't choose. Anna Aerosmith said that too. Yeah, that it's like you're playing with chemistry. You're playing with like something that's like greater than just. Bumping uglies. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you know, our bodies make us fall in love with who, and we don't know who those people are going to be, and we don't know when that's going to happen. So if you're in a, you know, if you're in a happy relationship and you have sex with somebody else, you, you know, you're risking the potential that you might fall in love with them, or at least your body's going to tell you to do that. So I love that he did that. I love that he talked about uh, children and how they might change things with you, mm-hmm. no matter like what that. you think ethically about polyamory. How. Um, I mean, he's just responsible about the whole thing, which, you know, that, that goes with the the title polyamory about a responsible uh, non-ethical mon- monogamy. I, I like that. But uh, he seemed to take it all very seriously, and this meant a lot to him, and you can tell it meant a lot to him. And you can see that in, in the movie Monogamish, so check that out. But more importantly, you can just keep listening to this podcast, and you'll see uh, why he's such an interesting, uh, good guy. Uh, so without further ado, you guys, here's uh, Tara Ruspoli. There's a lot of subscription box services out on the market right now, but I'm here to tell you, you need only one. We're talking about FabFitFun. They deliver a box of full-size fashion, beauty, home fitness, and wellness products to you four times a year for the low price of $49.99. A box, a which box. is amazing. <laughs> you guys, the value in these boxes is incredible because they're not just sending you little skimpy samples or anything like that. They're sending you full-size products and amazing products that you would want to buy every day. Like they sent this Kate Somerville exfoliating treatment and this product is amazing. That's probably 50 bucks right there. Probably. I know. But this is just one of the many things that came in the box. It was like Christmas. Actually, it was very close to Christmas morning. (laughs) Courtney called me and she was like, did you get the uh, 
Fab Fit Fun box, and I was like, okay, let me look into it. I brought it to Julia, and we opened it, and it was as if I was Santa Claus himself, okay? <laughs> she opened it, and she was pulling out item after item. So not only is this quality stuff, but there is a ton of stuff in each box. Here, let's run through it. Okay, well, let's just say some of the things. She got this beautiful poncho from BB Dakota, this hand cream that she fell in love with, uh, Ahava. It's a, it's a Dead Sea Water hand cream. She went crazy for She this. was literally just rubbing her hands with it right now. I do not understand women's obsession with lotion. Uh, you know, I gave up on this stuff after middle school, but she loved the stuff. There's this coffee mug in here. I'd rather be in bed. There's, ah. a, there's an exercise ball. We have, uh, we have a bunch of energizing eye masks, anti-wrinkle cream. Necklace. These amazing post-workout socks. They're like the fuzziest socks ever. I have not taken them off one time since. I cannot explain to you that this box has made my girl girlfriend incredibly happy you'll be happy too because you get so much value so many quality products and if you haven't signed up yet it's not too late so use promo code reality to get ten dollars off your first box you get ten dollars off the editor's box that's 39.99 but you get over a 200 value you need this in your life <laughs> go to fabfitfun.com to subscribe and use our code reality once again, try FabFitFun today. Go to FabFitFun.com to subscribe and start getting the box for a life well lived. Use promo code REALITY to get $10 off your first box. That's products valued at $200 for only $39.99. You're not going to regret it. You guys, very excited about today's guest. We have Tao Respoli. Respoli. Ruspoli. Ruspoli. <laughs> Ruspoli. Um, and uh, he is the writer-creator uh, behind a new documentary, Monogamish, which as soon as I saw uh, a post about it, I was like, oh my God, this is like right up our alley. Well, it's a sex nerd's uh, fantasy. They, they, you have all the big heads from all the, the sex nerd stuff. Dan Savage, Esther Perel. Stephanie, what's Stephanie's last name? Koontz. 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 I mean, these are people, if you're any kind of a sex nerd, yeah. you're like, I was like, I was like Ryan. he's got them all. Yeah. I was like, Christopher Ryan, you kept going, I was watching it, I was like, he has everyone here. So that must have been amazing to interview all of these people, right? Yeah, and it took uh, forever to, uh, at first I was very naive, I just wrote to Dan Savage, I'd been reading him since college, uh, and I just wrote him a, an, e uh, an email saying, hey, I've been reading you a long time, I, I want to make a movie, and you should star in it, and I want to call it Monogamish, and like three months later, I get a, 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 an email back from his, <laughs> his agent saying, well, he's really busy, and also you're going to have to change the name, because he's trademarked the word Monogamish, really? which he invented, and um, which at first I was kind of grumbling about, but now I realize this was a wise move, and then especially since after after three years of interviewing all the luminaries in the field uh, and them finally convincing him with, you know, kind of haranguing him and, and convincing him to, to, to be in the movie, then he, he very uh, generously granted me the right to use the title, which I'm glad now I'm the only one because I think there was another show that wanted it, a, t a TV show, and he said no. And so... I get to be the monogamous movie. <laughs> That's awesome. You got his brand, his stamp of approval. Yeah, and he loved the movie, as has everybody else who's been in it. We've been touring around the country with it. Uh, we screened in New York for a week, and it got extended twice because we just had like packed theaters every cool. night. And uh, it seems to be in the zeitgeist, the topic, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. And it's so interesting. I love that it. It's like a a 
three-year exploration because like you can four see four years four years you can see like you have a beard in part of it and then nod <laughs> and like you know it's like this real deep dive yeah and in a way i had to kind of, I, I was frustrated that, that it took so long um i thought i was done after like a year and i i showed it to my mom who's supposed to be your nicest you know most forgiving <laughs> critic and she was like it's a disaster and I was, like, oh, was she right? Was it a disaster? It was. And, and the reason wasn't just the technical filmmaking creative thing. It was also just my own process because I kind of mixed, you know, my own journey uh, with it. You know, it's not hopefully not in a self-indulgent way, just as a, as a, as a vehicle to, to, to deal with these issues. I went through a divorce myself and I uh, was using this to kind of find out what the fuck had happened, you know, and like, why, why does marriage exist as an institution? Why does monogamy exist as an ideal? And, um, and after a year, I still hadn't m matured enough through the process, hadn't really finished this, this like learning process. Mm -hmm. And this, you know, divorce is a rite of passage in a way. And, uh, and it, it took four years to kind of come to my own conclusions which are not you know i don't prescribe anything you've seen the movie like i don't tell everybody like what they should do but to have this kind of nuanced open conversation took some growing on my part and 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 it wasn't until you know i don't want to give away the ending but it wasn't until this kind of life transforming thing happened that I was able to kind of finally put a, a final period on the movie or maybe a final question mark. I don't know. So, <laughs> well, so it see Courtney wanted to ask you about this, but should we not talk about the ending? Should we save it? I don't know. Should we, should we, we hint at it? Maybe let's, we can, maybe let's, we can just, tease. let's just tilt our <laughs> hand just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, did, so did you try some form of non-monogamy, open relationship, polyamory? Is yeah. That so, so I, the, the movie, you know, starts with me getting divorced and, and kind of like having the whole world, my world kind of pulled out from under me. And now, um, let, let me, let me stop you right there. Did you, how soon after you split, did you uh, come up with the idea for this project? So I had this neighbor and, and why? I had this neighbor, uh, Roberta Hayes. You see her in the she's movie. She's fantastic. She's got a purple oh hair. <laughs> she's one of the, the best people in the world and a great character. And she lived down the alley from me in Venice. And I like was having trouble sleeping like during like the throes of my the, my heartbreak. And I would wake up at like four in the morning and look out my window, and her little light was on. And I would call her up and say, "Can we have breakfast?" And I'd go over there. And we'd ha we'd have like these amazing conversations. This is like a a blue rinse woman in her seventies, you know, chain smokes, has the most amazing clothes, and had this like forty year old boyfriend, and uh, oh, really? and yeah, and talked like so <laughs> frankly about her sex life, and just had all this kind of wry wisdom about her and humor, and just was like this wonderful character, and so. I realized right away, even though I was like suffering, going through this, like, sh I needed to make a movie about this woman. So I, I, I asked her if I could interview her and I spent a couple days just chatting with her about relationships and I made a 10 minute film about her. And I put that on YouTube and people loved it and actually launched her career as an actress and model and like, you know, personality before she'd been like a costume designer. And, um, and so I, I put that on YouTube. It did really well. Oliver Stone watched it and he's been a kind of mentor of mine and been a, a supporter of my previous films. And 
And uh, so he's like, this is fantastic. And so I realized like, hey, this could maybe be the jumping off point of a longer project. And at first I was kind of uh, a snob about the idea of making a film about relationships. It seemed kind of like flaky or mushy or something. Uh -huh. Like my previous film had been about Heidegger, you know, obscure kind of German philosopher. And uh, I'd made films about flamenco music and about just like kind of niche things and 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 kind of intellectual things and 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 the idea of like making a film about relationships seemed a little bit I don't know vague and and Broad like I and said basic. And, yeah. and 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 yeah not not rigorous for some reason uh -huh. and I was quickly humbled out of that snobbery because like I realized very quickly like you could write a PhD dissertation about every single aspect of this if you look at it economically if you look at it historically anthropologically sociologically um, psychologically any way that you attack this it opens up this in incredible uh, 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 conversation and um, and quickly I you know I, I ended up meeting you know first, I, I talked to lawyers, anthropologists, sex therapists, sex workers. I went to a free love commune in Portugal and uh, and it, it quickly showed me that however complicated I thought it was, it's even more complicated than that, I think, mm -hmm. yeah. You talk a lot about uh, your family and your dad had different kids with a variety of, uh, with a bunch of different women. Uh, when you were a kid, did you, were you angry at that? No, I was really lucky to be born with rose-colored glasses a little bit mm -hmm. and always was very grateful that my parents, even though it was difficult, you know, and I have hard memories of them breaking up when I was small, I very quickly became grateful for the fact that I had these kind of two existences and I was shown a different, a very different perspectives. Uh, and I think it also made me the type of person who could question all of these basic assumptions of society. Um, so, yeah. I wasn't too bitter about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't sense that you were bitter at no. all about it, too. And it's just, it does, Dan even says it, it does sound like a pretty fantastical kind of romantic way to be when you're younger, right? Yeah. I mean, how did you, what did you think about love then? Like uh, how you pursued it when you got old enough to, to be in love? What did you want out of love? Well, so, so just for people who haven't seen the movie, my dad was an Italian prince. <laughs> and he was, he was very eccentric, very rebellious had many uh, wives and many children from different relationships, had two children in his 70s. Like when, when he was 70 years old, he called me up and said, Tao, I'm getting married and to his beautiful 30-year-old girlfriend. And then a few months later called me and said, we're having a child. <laughs> and, and then, you know, after the, my little sister was born, I, I remember going to visit and, you know, thinking I was joking, I said, yeah, are you gonna have more children? And he'd say, Tao, let me live my youth. <laughs> maybe in a few years uh, and then sure enough when he was 73 he called me up and said we're having another kid so um so i was very lucky to have this kind of double life because my mom kind of, when she split up from my dad she brought us to la and we lived a normal kind of middle class existence mm -hmm. and then in the summers i'd go to italy and he my dad would be in this castle that we've had since 1530 and um and i'd see him kind of living this very weird and wonderful existence that was always it was rebellious but also full of kind of a, a deep search and of wisdom and a, and a sensitivity and this po he was a, he was a poet also he published books of poetry and a photographer so it wasn't just like a reckless 
rebellion. It was mm -hmm. a true curiosity about life and a true wanting to push at the boundaries because my my family goes back a thousand years in Italy and comes from a very Catholic, very uh, hierarchical, structured existence. And he grew up like wanting to rebel against that because it was very confining. Mm -hmm. And so I think that what what happened was in the movie, I get to look at these historical issues and these academic issues in a very personal way. So I can look at the way things were 300 years ago and not just talk to a historian, but go to the castle and talk to my cousin who's very funny. She's and amazing. She's and amazing, she's right? like such a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. Maybe my favorite part, well, her her idea about why divorce is terrible and how we should just get rid of <laughs> Get yes. rid of people when it doesn't work out is like, oh my god, I rolled. Yeah, when 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 my when my great 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 however many greats grandmother was the niece of the pope, and uh -huh. she got married, uh, and the pope gave them the 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 Ruspoli castle, which is still in the family, as a wedding present in 1531, and then she got sick of him and she killed him. Uh, and and my dad used to joke that she was the first feminist. And then she killed two more husbands after that. <laughs> Had them killed in the village, as my cousin says. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so so marriage has a has a very interesting history, both in my own family and in the world at large. And one of the things that's made it so um, survive so long is that it, 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 it's changed. It's evolved. Mm -hmm. The institution has evolved. And even when we, when we talk about monogamy, it used to mean one marriage for your whole life. And people who got divorced even 30 years ago were frowned on and seen as like less moral. Now even the most conservative, you know, right-wing people kind of ignore this idea about divorce. In fact, it's kind of ironic that they say, uh, you know, they'll quote like Leviticus against like gay marriage. And then in, you know, in another verse... It says if your wife is not a virgin when you marry her, she should be killed. Mm -hmm. And I think people safely ignore that. People pick and choose, right? Right, right. Uh, there's a bit of hypocrisy in there, which hopefully we can help uh, point out and move past with things like conversations like this movie. Yeah. Even in present day, um, like you interview a wide range of people from happy longtime couple, seemingly happy longtime couples to, you know, people that are happy in open and poly relationships to people that seem like they've just kind of been flitting around. Do you think that there's like hard wiring, like people are more likely to be one way or another or like what, what kind of, did you gain any personal well, I have a you know I studied philosophy at Berkeley and and I I was very influenced by existentialist philosophers whose main the kind of the, the main tenet of existentialism is that uh, there is no fixed human nature ah. that we we take a stance on what it is to be human through our culture through our choices and. Yes, there there are biological uh, impulses, you know, like we have to eat, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not the only thing that's going on when we sit down and have dinner, when you know, in a nice restaurant or with our family. Like, there's so many layers of ritual, of culture, of significance that go beyond the nutritional need to, you know, put food in your mouth. 
So I think with sex, it's the same. Like, yes, we need to have sex to procreate, but most sexual acts don't lead to to uh, pregnancy. And if that was the only reason to have sex, then women wouldn't want to have sex when they weren't ovulating and women wouldn't want to have sex after menopause. And mm-hmm. so there's clearly much more to sex than than uh, procreation. And 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 there's and we've built a society and rituals of mating around it and not only marriage as a you know contract but all of look we're at a bar right now think about all of the things that happen between (laughs) men and women here and look at all this the scandals that have happened recently and the redefinition of what is okay to do finally you know like we have like questioning of of power dynamics that are happening between men and women. So these are questions that are constantly being asked and answered, not only theoretically, but in our uh-huh. very practices. So I'm very wary of saying like, oh, naturally we're this and we're not that. Like, I think that the, the point of the movie is to, is to just have a deeper and more nuanced conversation and be a part of the constantly evolving mm-hmm. zeitgeist around these issues. So like some of it is just conditioned cult culturally some of it's like personal experiences i think it's i think it's i think it's very much cultural and i think that we're part of that of the defining of that culture and that every age thinks that what they're doing is natural and the way it is but it's 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 all you have to do is look back 20 years or or look at another culture and see that these things are totally historically and culturally contingent and and then hopefully that gives you the freedom to approach these things in a more authentic way, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Um, watching, growing up with your dad like that, did you, when you got married, did you think that you were going to be married forever? Um, I think I was, I was um, willing to, to be open to that possibility. Of course, like, how can I put this? Like the, the beauty of relationships is that you don't, it's not 100% certain. If you were totally sure from the start, then you wouldn't have to do anything, right? So I think that this kind of like, like uh, openness to whatever happens, but also working with somebody, that's the beauty of like, mm-hmm. like a commitment mm-hmm. and of b- trying to build something with someone. But at the same time, thank God we're not stuck in things for the rest of our lives, whether we like it or not anymore, right? <laughs> I think Stephanie Kuntz makes this point beautifully in the movie. She says, uh, we're living in a historical paradox in a way, because yeah. marriage is uh, uh, in a way more f- more free, more loving, more equal than it ever has been in history. And at the same time, it's no longer seen as the only option. So when, when it's not going as well as it should, people are less likely to put up with it. It used to be that people would just stay no matter what because the, the, the repercussions of leaving a marriage were so mm-hmm. disastrous for, for, for women especially, you know, who like depended on marriage to just the, uh, for their basic sustenance, right? I mean, that's part of what we explain in the movie too is marriage was uh, and monogamy were very much uh, began as a way of controlling women's sexuality and making sure that 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 women stayed home and raised children and didn't wander off and 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 it's like <laughs> ten thousand years of kind of trying to contain this women's sexual energy which men have feared uh, maybe rightly. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> 
They you you make an interesting um, I, observation about yourself in the movie about as your wife at the time became more successful, you it started to affect uh, your feelings on masculinity and that's so interesting because you seem like such this like I'm sure you are this progressive guy in 2017 who's still kind of struggling with that no it's interesting because this it's again where, where the culture kind of pushes back like now we live in a time finally you know people have asked often like about open relationships for example and, and, mm -hmm. and having multiple partners like oh well how is that different from like mormonism with like many wives or like you think of the the arab sheik with his like harem uh-huh and that that's a a totally different paradigm where you have like men controlling resources and like owning a bunch of women basically and that's what's the idea that the reason that polyamory is so new and interesting is that it's against the backdrop of of greater and greater equality between men and women and women not needing to have uh find a man to you know pay for their uh, children and their lives and all of this kind of thing uh at the same time we we still live in a in a in, with this kind of background of like assumptions of men like needing to kind of be the breadwinners mm -hmm. and and that sort of thing and so it's it was interesting for me to be with a woman who like made a lot more money than me and like you know was more able to pay the bills and do do, do all of this um, it brought to the forefront this kind of shift that's happening in the culture and i think it's it's wonderful i think it's wonderful but i i still think that marriage still has in it built into it some of these assumptions of like the role of the man and the woman and it's interesting to watch that evolve and see what that did in my own relationship absolutely. did it surprise you that you felt that way absolutely yeah yeah because i i i'm lucky in the sense that i'm attracted to women who are very independent and very uh 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 powerful and um and how to negotiate that in a relationship is is a new issue i think that we have as a culture and, and that people have to come to terms with mm -hmm. did you find so i mean it's clear though not explicit that towards the end of your relationship it was like monogamy was the struggle right to stay monogamous or to not was infidelity the final issue? No, no, no. Infidelity wasn't the final issue. It's just the idea of like like being in uh, in a relationship that's limits you from all the other experiences that life has to offer. You know, uh -huh. like we're very young and and uh, and the idea of like feeling kind of stuck in something. I think was the was the bigger issue in a, in, a, in a more kind of general abstract way. I don't want to get too into it because like, sure. I don't, I, I have to respect the privacy of. Which I thought you uh, did a great job of in the movie. Like, thank you, thank yeah. you. Yeah, no, that's on purpose. Like I, I really don't want to uh, use my personal life as fodder for, you mm -hmm. know, gossip or, or you know, <laughs> it's just, I, the, the divorce was the beginning of the movie. And then like what happened after that was what I'm most interested in. Do you, what do you think of the idea that society tells us that monogamy is just a part of growing up, that you have to suppress that side of you from, from that point on? The side you talk about, hey, I want to keep experiencing things, but 
it feels to me because this is something I'm dealing with my my own relationship. I used to have I used to be in an open marriage. We were polyamorous, and now I'm in a monogamous relationship. But I talk with my girlfriend about it all the time because I don't I don't understand what the right thing for me to do is because there is a part of me that would want to keep experiencing things, but also uh, I do feel like shh, maybe this is just part of growing up. Uh, and just to choose to be monogamous? I mean, this is a very personal question. I'm, there's no right answer, obviously, but how do you feel about that idea? Yeah, no, I think it's because I do think there's something to commitment and building something with somebody. And I think this is why it's different from like the 1960s. Like in the 60s, you have to understand like we're the, the 50s culture had been so repressive and mm -hmm. so, you know, just uh, boundary defined. And then like people started like taking LSD, for example, and then suddenly they're like, okay, none of this, we should throw it all away. <laughs> Everyone's, I remember like listening to an, uh, uh, a lecture by Timothy Leary, who was the great like LSD uh, uh, professor at Harvard. And he was in 1965 saying, everyone should leave their jobs. Everyone should drop out of school. Everyone should leave the cities and like go back and live in nature. And we should all like take acid and like have free love. And in a way that's like, was throwing away the baby with the bathwater. I think that what happened was, people realized, no, there is something, something about what Western civilization has built. Some things are worth keeping. And I think of that, the idea of like building a family and of like having a person that you know is there with you through thick and thin and all of that is beautiful and worth like, and I think people who are polyamorous today versus people like moving into the communes and practicing free love in the 60s, are negotiating that in a more subtle way they're saying let's let's hold on to the the good stuff let's hold on to commitment mm -hmm. let's make sure that our children have uh, some uh, stability in their lives let's uh, let's let's build within the confines of 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 society but pushing at the boundaries more gently let's say mm -hmm. and whether sexual exclusivity is something that we can push at is the question the movie answer asks and the question I'm asking all the time. And I think the question that a lot of people are asking right now, like can a commit committed relationship survive other sexual experiences? Now you have, you know, I, I often think about the relationship between food and sex, because I think that, that yeah. they're both biological functions that then have this rich possibility of meaning and of like other rituals and mm -hmm. other things built around it. So you look at Mike Pence, he won't eat with a woman alone if his wife's not there, <laughs> yeah. right? That's like this extreme idea of like what can threaten right. his marriage, right? right? I think that's absurd, obviously, and most people do. Mm -hmm. And uh, and is also has all sorts of problems built into it because obviously if if he won't eat with a woman, uh, when his wife's not there, how many women is that excluding from power possibility since he's the vice president of the United States? And like, like so that's that's shutting out in an interesting and subtle and I think nefarious way, shutting out women, right? So uh, so that's the one extreme, right? And then the other extreme is like I've I've now no couples who uh, are married and have children and allow each other to have sex with whoever they want, the same way that we allow each other to have have lunch with whoever we want, or you know take a trip with somebody, or you know you you imagine there's the the relationships between men and women are much looser than they used to be. Mm -hmm. Thank God, right? Um, so I think each couple though has to figure out very carefully 
what can they uh, accept, right? And hopefully what the movie does is helps people have that conversation in an honest way and say, oh, wow, like I actually am okay with you, you know, flirting with somebody or making out with somebody or having sex with them if I'm there or mm -hmm. having sex with them as long as I'm not there and I don't know about it or as long as, you know, you only, only do it once and uh, or as long as you're only out of town or, you know, people have figured out different ways. And what's really interesting is when it's done in the service of maintaining the relationship versus as a way of like uh, threatening it. But it's playing with fire, no question. Like, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to belittle the. What makes you say that? Because these are powerful forces. I think, like when you when you make love to somebody, you're you're opening up a space of real intimacy and possibilities, and the, you can't help like suddenly imagining a new life, maybe, uh -huh. or having. And I think that polyamorous people are recognizing this in a really interesting way, and like call you know they have new relationship energy they call it and yeah. like let's recognize that that's what that is and it doesn't mean that your life with this person is going to be better you know you're quickly going to fall into the same patterns and so often like we jump from one relationship to the other thinking like we're going to be different you know it's going to be different but we realize that we keep meeting ourselves <laughs> in each of those relationships so maybe it's better to stick with one person and 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 build something with that person and have i think this uh, my friend arthur who is wonderful in the film that i talked to over skype and he says you know like he's been married to the same person for 37 years and if you if you're able to build a tribe and expand the number of people that love you and you love versus like i've experienced this now i'm going to move on to the next thing and i'm going to experience this and if you look at people who just live completely selfishly that way you know maybe they don't maybe their lives in the long run aren't quite as admirable you don't have that that sense of them having built something through mm -hmm. compromise and and like the growth that comes from building something with somebody. What surprised you the most? Something you learned before you started the movie that you didn't know you were going to come out at the end? I didn't even know that polyamory exists. I mean, obviously I'd heard of like open relationships and stuff, but the idea that there's a movement of people who are consciously, you know, and ethically and uh, uh, practicing alternatives to monogamy I think is I learned in the movie and I think is the most interesting thing happening right now. And again, it's not a cure-all and it's not for everybody. Uh, I found that it is for me now. Uh -huh. So I, I'm exploring the, the having multiple loving relationships because I'm not interested in like superficial like one night stands. I'd much rather build something with somebody uh, and get to know them. And then I like the idea of of a bit of transgression and the, the 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 things that happen from that that the other big thing i learned and that surprised me and that i love is that when you take away the element of competition between people uh often like unexpected friendships will arise like i became involved with a married woman and uh, she's in an open relationship with her husband and i became really good friends with her husband and the moment that that element of me being a threat wasn't even considered an option. It opened up a space of, of, of finding that two people who love the same person actually have a lot in common. And I've had lovers, you know, that I've introduced to each other in ways that were super dangerous because 
you know, you, you, you're with somebody and then you say, okay, well, I'm actually with somebody else also, Hey, would you like to meet? Um, that's, that's something that's not generally done in the old paradigm, right? You don't, you would, if anything, it's like hidden or, you know, people lie about things, or if at the very least it's like swept under the rug, I don't, you know what people say, I think that that idea of like, I don't ask, don't tell doesn't work. Like it just like builds people's paranoia. And, uh, so I've had situations where I took the risk of introducing two people that I've were seeing at the same time and found them falling in love with each other. And that's just like a whole <laughs> other realm of, of beauty and of, of eroticism and of all of this that you never could have imagined, you know, especially as also people's, I think, uh, gender identities and sexual uh-huh. Proclivities are 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 more more fluid than ever before. Um, uh, you know, I, I've seen younger. I, I always joke that I wish I was vegetarian. I wish I was bisexual because philosophically, I agree with both. But my sure. my hunger is different. <laughs> and uh, uh, but but so women, in so many ways, are more advanced than men. And I, I one of them is I think a, a more. Uh, uh, fluid sense of uh, attraction and bisexuality uh-huh. and everything. So I, I think that when, and also when women aren't, uh, going back to what we were saying before, when women aren't dependent on men for e- economically, that also frees up uh, uh, the possibility of women not being in competition with each other mm-hmm. for the resources of a few men. Because that's what happens in in cultures like, if you look at Arabic cultures or macho kind of Latin cultures, where there's this still this old fashioned way of like men, a few men like hoarding all the resources, uh, then you get less solidarity between women and you get more women like calling each other sluts and whores and all of this because they're needing to compete for the resources of these few men, right? At, in a culture that's more egalitarian and women have more opportunities financially, then you get more solidarity between women. And I think that that's a fascinating kind of byproduct of. Uh, this more progressive, open way of seeing relationships. So, so far your your polyamorous experience has been profoundly positive. Uh, it's been challenging for sure. And, and, and now I'm kind of, you know, I'm living it as a, as a unattached man. Like mm. I don't, I don't live with somebody. I don't have children. Mm-hmm. So it's more lighthearted in my case than it is for a married couple with children who decide to be open. But I've seen that from like I've been in a relationship with a woman who's in an open marriage with children. So I've seen I've been the third in that, but I haven't I haven't yet lived it within this the the uh, the context of building something the way we talked about earlier. And so I I am curious about that as a possibility. And I you know I do want children eventually, and I'll be interested to see if that's actually a possibility. You know, back to your question, like I. I don't know if if it's too dangerous or if it's possible or if you need to just grow up and suck it up and just say like I'm not gonna like you know be chasing every desire that I have right yeah was it working out successfully in like the married situation yeah but that relationship has evolved in different ways too like every situation is so much its own thing ah. And uh, and and ev- what I found in the movie, like spending four years, like every relationship and every person's circumstance changed so much in the four years. Even people who are still married and you know ostensibly monogamous, like 
it's it's never static right you have children the children grow you have different you know there's just there's there's no fixed way right and there's no like solid answers we're we're, we're grasping at at the this very elusive ever-changing thing well even uh which is you know why dan savage created the term monogamish anyways is that there isn't a there isn't some catch-all you, you when we talk about that man who was married to his woman and uh as soon as she had kids she didn't want to have sex anymore she just didn't want to. Yeah. I mean, what do you do with that? Maybe before you can you would just have affairs, but now we're at a place through polyamory and some of these other discussions where it's like we could say, hey, you know, is it okay if I have sex with somebody once a month? You know, if you don't yeah. want to, and uh, and you know, hopefully the person, the partner could could look at that in a real humane way and say, geesh, I don't I don't see why not. Right. I, j- j- that's what's great about. This movie, uh, this is like the uh, probably like the primer for people who are interested in the idea of non-monogamy. Yeah. Uh, because it a- answer it asks all the questions and it does a really great job of answering a lot of them too. And I think the word monogamish is interesting because da- the way Dan Savage uses it and the way that I came to understand it are a little bit different in an interesting way. I think Dan says people, individuals should be monogamish. Like he thinks that the best thing is for people to stay committed and, and therefore, um, that, 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 that sexual, he says in the movie, sexual exclusivity is the enemy of commitment because he thinks a lot of people leave sexually exclusive relationships just so that they can find the the Mm -hmm. new. So, so he's actually advocating, I think, for a certain way of being, which is monogamish committed to one person, but also open to being with other people. I think, I call the movie monogamish because I think that our culture on the whole is monogamish. Like we have an uneasy relationship to monogamy uh-huh. as a Western civilization in the 21st century. Like we are monogamish because we, we can't figure out whether we want this like lifelong commitment to one person or if we want to have the freedom and possibility. And I think we see it also like the negative side of it and the positive side and this uneasy tension like in in everything even like the internet for example like the fact that we can just constantly be looking for new stimulation and like you know like instead of like sitting down and watching a movie like we want to watch youtube videos that are maybe superficial and Uh and then constantly looking for the next thing to entertain us and there is like the possibility of too many options and like no reason why one option is any better than any other. And then we can like end up in this kind of empty, meaningless, uh, passive existence where we're just constantly looking for the next thing. Right. Um, so it's the same with relationships. Like where do you, how do you, how do you get like a depth and at the same time recognize that we do have like all these options out there. And that's a, something I don't have the answer to. <laughs> It's like it's a paradox. Esther Perel says it really interestingly. She says it's not, it's not a uh, a problem that we solve. It's a paradox that we manage. I love that so yeah. much. I thought that was brilliant. You're interested in exploring non-monogamy. Maybe you watch the movie, whatever. What are like the first kind of conversations around boundaries or whatever that you think are important for? people that are trying it out to have well first of all i think what what goes wrong because i've been in long-term monogamous relationships including my marriage and others as well and i think that what happens often is that it's not just about sex i think that in a relationship often you come to like 
a hundred little crossroads every day mm-hmm. where you have two options. You have telling the person what they want to hear or saying the truth. And, <laughs> and I think what often happens is that we start to like get lazy and realize like, oh, if I just say this, I cannot deal with this problem, right? And again, it's not just about sex or, or attractions. It's about like food, everything, you know, movies. Yes. <laughs> and every time that we choose to just acquiesce and not do the work with the person and just say what they want to hear, we, in a very subtle way, create a barrier of in, in the intimacy that exists between us. And I think that if you add those up, eventually, suddenly you have a disconnect between the person that you've created, like the image you've created for this person and who you actually are. And when those two have diverged too much, that's when eventually a relationship can end. And then people don't understand like why, what happened, right? So I think what's what what you have to start with is like a commitment to honesty and like really saying what you believe and think and like doing the work of like, coming to terms with the fact that that can create a little bit of discomfort in the moment. But in the long term, that allows more intimacy to uh, grow between you, right? And if that then includes like the fact that you're also attracted to other people and that you want to include the consequences of that attraction into your relationship, that's just going to add those crossroads to those crossroads that I'm talking about, right? You're going to have more of them and more difficult ones because even in an open relationship, it's still sometimes challenging to like say, oh, you know, I did this or I want to do this. And uh, I, I find that even in, in the context of total freedom, which I've kind of like taken on right now, I still sometimes have to like struggle with, how much do I tell a person about what I'm up to and how, how much do I own my behavior versus like painting another picture of myself to for people that sometimes can be, you know, uh, uh, advantageous to, you know, making them, you know, fall in love with you more by <laughs> saying, you know, by, 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 by creating an image. There was a great book in the fifties written called the games, games people play i think it was Mm -hmm. called and it talks about the fact that every time we say something to somebody in any context there's always two things there's the the literal meaning of what you're saying and then there's the effect you want to have with what you're saying right so i could be there's there's the content of what i'm saying but there's also the fact like i want to impress you or i want to uh uh seduce you or i want to uh point your attention at something else or you know there's always and and the more we can align those two things and be like transparent with our intentions then the more mature we are right anyway no that's all great so that's why we talk about often on the show too how uh, a lot of times people when they start dating someone they don't even discuss monogamy at all it's just a given where they, it's just like, oh, we're just going to be monogamous yeah. no matter what. And that, that, that's just how it is. When a lot of times uh, just that conversation um, could, could make you more intimate with the person than you, you would ever be. I mean, I have these talks with my girlfriend, whom I love. And even if I don't uh, act on them all the time, uh, I, I think she appreciates it. And if for some other reason, if we break up because of it, 
it'll be an honest thing. It'll be a real thing. Instead it's so nice the intimacy that can come from being honest with somebody, no matter what that is. And it, that's that's the beauty of like open relationships. I think is that when there's this like deep connection that can happen with somebody when you feel when you give yourself permission to to be truly honest with them and you give them permission to be honest with you and that at its best it creates a real and and, and that can come down to even hearing about somebody that you love's experience with somebody else and when they feel free to actually tell you like i had sex with this person and it was great and and you can kind of like negotiate that little bit of jealousy, but also that thrill that comes and also the fact that it makes you appreciate the other person in a way that you realize that they're not just there for you no matter what. And that there's a there's a hotness that comes from that, too. So, again, I, I, I don't want to advocate like that it's that everyone should try this but I do think it's lovely that it's an option now. Mm-hmm. And I think that also there's all sorts of wonderful things like, for example, uh, when when somebody is in a relationship in the old way, suddenly it, a lot of people just cut off a certain possibility with that person because they're like, oh, they're taken, right? Mm-hmm. As if they're somebody's property. Mm-hmm. And therefore, and then that might be nice for some people, especially women who like, you know, are tired of being hit on all the time. <laughs> There's probably a nice thing about like saying, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got a marriage wedding ring on uh-huh. and therefore like you know i'm off limits at the same time there's something nice about the kind of uh nuanced flirtations that can happen between men and women and knowing that that's still possible even though the person's in a relationship is is it can be fun and and add like excitement to life no that's like compersion right is that the word for it yeah yeah I mean, when you, you're happy for the person you love experiencing pleasure. Like, turned that's on not, by it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, you're not like that, obviously. No, I, I get it in theory. I, <laughs> I think I'm like very, my parents were very monogamous and like, I don't know. It's just like my, definitely my comfort zone. Like, I think I see what is great about monogamy or for polyamory or open relationships for other people. But for me, I think like emotionally that would be a lot to manage and right no there ha- i think i think people have to ask themselves like is i'm i've been amazed that like it doesn't it's not men like men don't aren't more polyamorous than women this is a hundred percent certain like women desire novelty and are as curious about this yeah. as as men are if not more uh what's interesting is to like like as as i date women and i'm very upfront about my non-monogamous ways these days <laughs> and um and it's really about 50 50 i find like 50 percent of women are you know have just are just like that's not for me i find it you know good luck but like just no interest and then the half of women are just like oh how i've always been curious about this uh-huh. or um and that's that's amazing you know like the, the whole cliche of like men like wanting to go out and spread their seeds and women like wanting to be at home and like be monogamous that's just not true, I don't think. I was just uh, I was just uh, bartending last week, and uh, two Mexican single moms, like women that work in offices, and one of them that they come in all the time. But we just got started talking about this for some reason, and one of them was like, "She's like, I just, you know, I've got a boyfriend who's like 
too jealous, but I like every few months I like to go and have sex with like some other guy. And then her other friend was mad at her and she's like, it's true. And she's like, I try not to, but every few months I just have to. <laughs> and I was like, I have a friend. Yeah. Like, I, it, yeah, it's, it's not just men and women. I definitely have some female friends that are like, I will never be monogamous ever. And like, you know, that's as almost seemingly ingrained in them as, uh, you know, what I, my preference. So. Absolutely. And, and, and the best thing that can happen through movies like this and through like com- Dan Savage and through the conversations like we're having is that people should just like, without beating themselves up, should just recognize like, I prefer not to be monogamous. And then the best thing is for people who are not monogamous to meet each other and know, <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> from the start and not just like default into a monogamous relationship when people just aren't made for that. And it's okay, you know, like, and, and people, and also obviously important is like safety. Uh-huh. And it turns out that people who are cheating are tend to be, and, and ostensibly in monogamous relationships actually tend to have higher rates of STDs uh-huh. because they're not talking about it. Whereas if you're saying like, oh, okay, you're having sex with other people, let's make sure that we're, we're safe. Let's make sure people use condoms. Like, make, uh, having this conversation can help do this in a responsible way that isn't just reckless and destroying people's lives, both emotionally and physically. Amazing. Where can people find the documentary? So the, the, the movie just came out on stars pay-per-view. And, uh, so now we're in, uh, uh, December of 2018. This will probably air in January. So hopefully, uh, then it's going to be on iTunes and Netflix in the coming months, but first stars, then look for it elsewhere. You, people can go to monogamishmovie.com and they can also go to the Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash monogamishmovie and hopefully like the, the page and uh, and yeah, get in touch with me on Facebook and Instagram, Tao Ruspoli, T-A-O and then R-U-S-P-O-L-I. Awesome. Thank you so much for enlightening us. <laughs> Thank you. That was a great conversation. Appreciate it. Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy, interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello.